I'm going to speak to you today about fasting. How exciting. <laughs> and uh, today is going to be uh, a bit of a, a teaching. We're going to cover a lot of information, a lot of ground. But please hear my heart when I say, don't try to remember everything that I'm saying. That's not the point. You don't have to know everything. But it's the heart. And my, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would jump on just one or two things for, for every person, that the Holy Spirit would jump and make something alive in your heart. It's not having to leave you with a long list. Some people are such, I used to, when people used to preach because of my desire for the Word, and they used to like come up with these lists, and I'd be like, wow, and I would just, you know, take such copious notes, and at the end of the message, people say, what do you say? I don't know. I don't know. I was just writing. You know, and then I would have to, I know, but I would. I would actually go home and study, but it's okay to take notes, but I encourage you to listen with a heart and ask. Let's actually do that. Let's ask the Holy Spirit. You know, whenever you go to the Word, friends, go with the author. It's such a different way to go. And that's when I read the Scripture, I actually go and I say, Holy Spirit, you authored this. I mean, I've said this many times. So show me, reveal and I'll just pray a little bit, and then I'll start. And then he's with me. He wrote it. He knows what it means. He really does. He's actually quite good like that. So can we, uh, can we pray for a second? Holy Spirit, we thank you for the Word of God. And Lord, I know that you are still speaking, but I know that this Word, the Scriptures, are God-breathed, and they are from heaven. They are from you. Holy Spirit, I pray that even as we teach about fasting, Lord, that you would illume and bring revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we are starting a fast today. My apologies for not having communicated this better before. There was a lot we were trying to communicate. There's a lot going on. And with Dale and Luann coming, then I got sick, and then I got sick again. Frustrating. So unfortunately, one of the things that were pushed back was the details of the fast. It's been out on social media and the website, but we wanted to make it more well-known from the front, and it's my own fault that we didn't. But we're starting a 21-day fast today. That's news to some of you. But we are not asking everyone to fast for 21 days. I don't think that would be right or healthy. But we are trusting that 21 days will be covered, so we will actually make sure of that just as leaders. But I do encourage you, to the best of your ability, obviously use wisdom if there's medical issues. No matter if you fast or not, although I encourage every person to fast, even if it's brief, which we'll get into, the inheritance belongs to us all. That's clear in Scripture, and we can explain that another time. We all have the, the benefit. We all have the breakthrough. But we're going to fast for 21 days. starts today. It will end on February 22nd, which is three Saturdays from now. And um, there's actually a handout in the seat in front of you. Looks like this, under the seat. Should be there. If you take it out now, that's great. Please don't read it now. Uh, it's just some of the excerpts that I've taken, some from Derek Prince, the type of fasts, and uh, how long should I fast. It's very practical, and then practical, helpful fasting from Jensen Franklin. Just some things that I've put up here. I've put it out before. I encourage you to read it. I encourage you to go with some understanding. You know, often when people fast, they, they fast social media or those things, which is good. And for like really young people that are healthy and physically fit, the, the food fast may not, they may not struggle that much, and that's actually harder for them. But biblically speaking, a fast has to do with food. So I would encourage as many of you to fast. We're going to be praying on Tuesday, every Tuesday, that's Tuesday the 4th, Tuesday the 11th. And then we're going to, it's confusing, okay, a little confusing, two Tuesdays, this Tuesday coming, the following one, then the last week, we're going to actually gather three nights in a row, so we're going to do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and this will all be up, and we're going to come out again, we're going to pray on Tuesdays, the first two Tuesdays, and then the last Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're going to pray every night, three nights in a row, and uh, just lift our voices up to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Good chat. So, I'm going to read you a, a little quote here in a series that Derek Prince did on secrets of answered prayer. He said this, I'm going to continue with some of the secrets of answered prayer, and in fact, I'm going to deal with one specific major key to effective praying, 
And although this major key is clearly presented in the Old Testament and right through the New, I think the majority of Christians are unaware that it exists. The failure to use this key is one main source of ineffectiveness in the body of Christ. No doubt you are wondering what the key is. However, when you hear it, you are not likely to say, praise the Lord. (laughs) And he's talking about fasting. And in our walk with the Lord, we will come to doors. We will come to seasons. We will come to things that no matter what we do, nothing changes. Who's experienced that? We should all put up your hands. Yes. And the Bible, at the same time, says we have been given everything we need for life and godliness. Yeah? Does it say that? Yeah. So, we need to learn what keys has God given us. And there are, this fasting for me is like this key. It's a big one. It's not like just a key I use every day for, you know, in and outdoors. It's not like everyday Christian living. You can fast if you want that much, but... Fasting is a key that is extremely powerful, extremely powerful, that opens doors that forever seem shut. It really is. There's always a testimony of fasting, and we have many in this body, many. But many people, they pray, they become convinced, you know, we pray, we, 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 we worship, we do all the things, and then we think, yeah, nothing's... And so we become convinced, people become very convinced very quickly that... I'm not good enough, or I don't have enough faith, or I, I need something I don't have. But the Bible says we've been given everything for life and godliness. And yet, you know, in the Western world, it's not cultural to fast. But in the world that I grew up in, it was very normal. You know, even the counterfeit, the witch doctors and all, they fast all the time. There is a supernatural power in it. This is going to be the outline. I'm going to take my time, not meaning preach very long today, but take my time over the next few weeks. I may not get through everything, but I, I, God put it in my heart. I've preached the series here before. Obviously, it comes out different every time, but I, God put it in my heart again to preach on this as if nobody, assume that nobody understands fasting at all. Preach as if we've never heard, because sometimes, firstly, there's a lot of new people here, but sometimes it's very simple things that God will jump on, and suddenly faith enters. So we're going to look at what is fasting, how do we approach fasting, why they fasted in the Bible. That, by God's amazing, miraculous grace, we'll get through today. And then next week and the following week, why is fasting so powerful? From what position do we fast? And then Isaiah 58, that's the great classic text on fasting, one of the many. The true fast and its promises. So, what is fasting? Fasting, biblical definition, or definition that I, I can't remember if I came up with it or I read it, to be honest, but to abstain from food for spiritual purposes. There are, like I said, there's different types of fasts that's in your handout. There's a dry fast, which is all liquids, all food. I would not suggest you do that unless God speaks to you. Uh, and obviously, I would encourage if it's more than a day, get some sort of medical supervision. But Under Esther, she called for all the people of God in the nation to fast three days, no food, no water. Yeah. So there's, some people call it a total fast or a dry fast. Then there's a fast, which is, whenever the Bible talks about fasting, it means water, nothing else. But then you also see partial fasts, like with Daniel. When he fasted, you can eat some food and so forth. He ate no, no meat, sweets, and wine. And sweets was confectionery, baked goods. It was, you know, they didn't have all the processed food, yeah? I remember the first time I did a Daniel fast, I kind of missed the point. So every night I went to a restaurant and ate as many fries as I could. I thought, well, I mean, it's potatoes, so I mean. Not really the point. But, um, but yeah, fasting is to abstain from food for spiritual purposes. Number two, fasting is linked to prayer. We cannot just, it's a hunger strike without it. Actually, fasting will still have power. It actually will. We'll still have power. But fasting actually comes to empower or accompany prayer. Prayer doesn't accompany fasting. In Acts 14.23, when they were, I think was there, appointing elders um, in the church at Antioch, it says that um, they prayed, oh, I have it here, they prayed with fasting. The fasting empowered the prayer. They prayed, 
That's what they were doing with fasting. That's what they used to make it and to find breakthrough. Watch many. Who's ever had a, like a burden come upon them for prayer? Who's ever had something that you just, oh, you want to pray, you want to pray, and it's like every time you pray, there's a, a weightiness. A, who knows what I'm talking about? All right. And we pray sometimes until that lifts. And we know even though it may not change instantly, down the road, things will change. Something moved. Something changed. Okay? It's, it's an intercession burden. And I don't have time to speak on that, but watch when he said this. If a burden grows so heavy that it cannot be discharged by prayer, we should fast. So simple. When prayer cannot discharge a burden, fasting must follow. Fasting must follow. It's, you know, whenever we pray, and like I've said, we just, oh, it's just like concrete. It's like, you know, the prayers go out and then they fall on your head. You know, you know, it's like there's, it's just like nothing. There's just, oh, Lord, it's like, you know, who knows what I'm talking about? It's just, then fast. You'll be amazed. It's a very powerful key. Use it. Turn the key as often as you need to. It is something that God has given us to break, I call it the breakthrough bringer or the status quo shifter. It takes the status quo and changes it. That's what fasting does. It really does. I'll give you a quote. How many times have we heard people say, well, the early church, and we compare the church now to the early church, and, you know, it's almost like they had some secret. Well, they didn't, but they understood some of what I'm talking about today. This is from um, about the Wesleys. There's a quote will come up behind you. During the, the, their days at university, John and Charles Wesley were convinced, that's actually from rabbinical writings that actually says this in church history, John and Charles Wesley were convinced that the earliest Christians prayed and fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays. So they began to observe the same practice. And as time passed, they began their mission to North America, then they fasted by that time mostly on Fridays. This was in continuity with Jewish and early Christian tradition, which marked the beginning of the day at sundown, not at midnight, in the book of Genesis, evening and then morning, the first day. The Jewish day begins at sundown. Still does. Starts at sundown, evening, then morning, the first day. So this was in, continu in continuity and with early Christian tradition, both marked the beginning of the day at sundown, not midnight. They typically ended their fast 3 p.m. on Friday. So they would start on Thursday when sundown on Thursday, and then they would end Friday 3 o'clock. In every expression of the means of grace, John and Charles Wesley included fasting or abstinence as one of the ordinary means set forth in the Bible. Jesus gave his disciples clear instructions about how to fast. He actually, Jesus spoke more about fasting than he did about baptism. It's interesting. You know what boggles my mind? Sorry, in the middle of a quote. Is that the Son of God fasted. I cannot get my mind around that. The one with no sin. Think about that. He had to fast. I mean, there was no sin in him. He was God's son. And yet he fasted. I cannot... What is it about fasting that he understood that we've forgotten? You know? It says here, um, Jesus gave his disciples clear instructions about how to fast. And the early Methodists were convinced of the importance of this practice in their time. They believed it to be an excellent, and then there's a quote from Charles Wesley himself, means of confirming and increasing seriousness of spirit. That's not seriousness like we think. That's intense and focus. Earnestness. Sensibility and tenderness of conscience, that's basically a soft heart. Deadness to the world and consequently the love of God and even and every holy and heavenly affection. Okay. What is fasting not? <laughs> fasting is not to show people how spiritual we are. That's how the Pharisees were doing it. Jesus said that's not a good idea. Fasting is not a way to force yourself into God's favor. Don't do that. I encourage you, and we'll speak about that next week. Fasting is not to become good enough. What words did Jesus hear before he fasted? You're my son, with whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And the Spirit of God descended upon him and remained. And it says, from that place of identity, from that place of acceptance, from that place, it says the Spirit drove him into the wilderness to fast. 
He wasn't fasting to become who God had already said he was. Fasting is not a tool to get your way. I've seen people, and unfortunately I did it myself when I was younger, it's like, you know, a kind of a stubbornness. Kind of like we turn God into a vending machine. I'm just going to fast until he does it. And if I die, God, you know, it's your fault. You know, that whole like, I'm going to do this, and you're going to actually obey me. You know, sometimes there's a good heart. There is sometimes when God puts a, a sense of in your heart, I'm going to fast until, but it's, it's you know, that's, it's just, that's different. All right, so how do I approach fasting? You're still good. Well, with faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So anytime we approach the Lord, we do so with faith. Hebrews 11.3, it says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen are not made by things which are visible. I want to encourage you. I'm going to say something now that you could take the wrong way, and I hope you don't. The Bible says, you see, faith, when people say faith, there's all sorts, people go somewhere in their mind, you know, because there's been so much about faith, you know. But faith is not just this amazing, incredible ability to believe, even though, you know, that can, that can be that, and that there's a gift of faith, and that's wonderful. But faith starts, honestly, here. The Bible says, by faith we understand. It's a spiritual understanding. And what happens is God brings revelation to our hearts, and it goes from like a spiritual understanding, even though we don't fully understand, it goes to a conviction in our hearts, and the conviction is what? It's... Ba- it's Things that are not seen, that the unseen world is a greater reality. And so when I do this, or when I pray like this, or when I do this, there's a conviction inside of me that I'm affecting that realm. That's faith. It's not just this ability to believe against all odds. The Bible says faith is a conviction of things unseen. And so what happens, there's a scripture, and it's plagued me, it's troubled me for years. I'm being really honest, and I hope you don't hear it the wrong way, but there's a scripture when it's talking about eating meat and how it's a warfare issue, but it says anything that is not of faith is sin, Romans, uh, Romans 14, 23. That doesn't mean I, I don't need faith to, in a sense, you know, go to work. It's things of the kingdom. It's when, a, when you know, we just go through the motions. I'll sing, I'll pray. Uh, you know, I'll do, you know, and we just, people say, why do you do that? I don't know. It's just what we've always done. There's no, there's no conviction. There's no spiritual understanding. Why are we doing this? You know, and it says then it's actually sin. And so one of the meanings for sin, I know it means to miss the mark. It means um, to err, trespass. We all get that. But one of the meanings is actually, it's actually the second meaning in the Strong's is, sorry, your face. One of the meanings is to be without measure. And so what happens is a person says, okay, I'm going to go do this thing. Because, okay, we're going to pray or we're going to fast. But there's no conviction. There's no faith. What's happening? Why am I doing this? Where does this come from? What does this empower? What, what's, you know, even though I may not see it, there's conviction here. And what happens is the measure, the thing that was going to turn and move and shift, it's, it doesn't happen. And so we are without measure of what we were trusting for. And then it's like, well, I did the thing and it didn't happen. And then we get offended and upset at God. And we think, well, prayer doesn't work. Fasting is not like this. Worship is, who knows what I'm talking about? Because there's no faith, there's no conviction. Hello? It's, <laughs> it's plagued me for a long time. You know, so that's why I'm saying today, I'm, I'm trusting that as we go, it, it obviously faith is in line with God's word. As we look at God's word, faith enters you. That's why we do that. Then there's conviction. You don't have to understand everything, but the heart is okay. And then things move and shift in that world. And then that. Secondly, how do we approach fasting with a plan? I was hoping this part would go much faster. But let me just say, decide the type of fast, the length. Most fasts in the Bible were one day. If you're intense like me, 
you know, I'm going to fast, you know, four years or whatever. That's silly. But, you know, young people as well, they get, I'm going to, you know, it's more the obedience than the length. And yet the length can shift different things. If it's longer, it does. Because fasting doesn't change God, it changes you. He hasn't moved. He's still who he is. Fasting opens eyes and it, it changes you. And so a lengthy fast can do that. But it's the obedience and the understanding of it, not the intensity at times. You know, we're fasting 21 days. But some people might say, well, I'll fast every Tuesday or I'll fast, you know, one meal a day or maybe I'll fast three days in a row, then I'm done. It's, it's, not, it's not to be the best faster. That's kind of like the disciples. Who's the greatest? It's really not like that. It's not like that. You know, but choose the type of fast. I scale down. I'm just being honest. You know, I love coffee, so I got to detox you know, so I, I start with, you know, Daniel fast and I go to liquids and I go to water and I go back to Daniel, all of those things. It's just, I've just done it a lot. So that, you know, but choose it, write it down. This is the type, this is the length and set your mind to it. If you just go into, okay, I'm going to start to kind of today, I think, <laughs> and we'll just end, you know, when I'm done, you will find the boundary keeps moving. <laughs> you know, you see that, you're like, hmm. Yeah, I'll get back to it tomorrow. You know, it's just, it's not about the intensity, but just make a decision, set it. Write down why you're fasting, the reasons for fasting. Yes, we can, I'll give you corporate reasons why we're fasting, some of the things that we're fasting for, but use it for yourself too. I'm sure many of you are like, well, I want to use it. Great. Write it down. Have it all planned. Have a plan. Are you with me? So, why they fasted in the Bible. Now, the first three or four, I'm going to take some a little bit more time on because there's a whole bunch, and I may just have to read some at the end. But when we understand why they fasted in Scripture, next week we're going to look at the difference between fasting in the Old Testament and the New Testament to fast from the right place. But when we understand why they fasted in Scripture, I find these things bring faith because we, we have to know why. Yeah? Okay. First reason, to humble ourselves. Psalm 35, David says, I humbled myself with fasting. Now, I wish I had more time for this. In, if you were a Jewish person or Hebrew, an Israelite in those days, you would understand something because it was part of their culture. You can go look at commentaries. You can go look at writings. Go study this. Don't just believe me. When the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament, when it says, we humbled ourselves, or to humble yourself. It is a reference, or I would say every time, but maybe not, but it's a reference, it was a way of talk, it's a reference to fasting. Let's look. Leviticus 16, when God is setting forth the atonement. Now, some of you may be new to Christianity. The atonement is um, the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sin. In the Old Testament, it was done through bulls, and you know, goats and sheep and so forth, the blood of animals. Once a year, the high priest would go into the most holy place and there was all this blood. But the shedding of blood was to atone for the sin of the people for that year and every year they would have to repeat. So Jesus, uh, God is speaking to Moses about that when he starts it. This is at the institution. It's the, when they start celebrating or something once a year called the Day of Atonement. And he says this, this shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls. That's a reference to fasting, which I'll show you. And do no work at all. Why no work? What's that pointing to? You're saved by grace. The Bible says in Romans 4, to him who does not work. Grace. So it's saying... You shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you so that you may be clean from all your sins before God. Now, we've been atoned for by who? How, does he die every year? No. Okay. Once time. Afflict their souls, though. It's, this was speaking of fasting. Read again, Leviticus 23, same thing. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, the 10th day of the seventh month you shall be the day of atonement. One day. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. You shall do no work. And on that same day, for it is the day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person, listen to this, 
who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from the people. If you don't fast, it will not make its way into your heart. You will be cut off. That was Old Testament. The word there, afflict of souls, actually is the word anah. It's the same word as humble yourself. The same word is used. In Acts, in fact, in Acts 27, verse 9, now all the way in the New Testament, they would have the Day of Atonement every year. It calls the Day of Atonement the Day of the Fast. It just says it like it is. The Day of the Fast. So Isaiah stands up in Isaiah 58, and he says, is this the day of the fast? And he starts to kind of rebuke them because they kind of missed the point. They were fasting as a means of pride and all the other things. But he said, is this the day of the fast? He actually stood up, Isaiah, on the day of atonement and began to declare things about fasting. So to afflict the soul is a reference to fasting, the day of the fast, the day of atonement. It was a fast... It means to afflict the soul, to humble yourself. I humbled myself. It's interchangeable. It's talking about fasting. Fasting is the biblical way, the biblical method to humble yourself before the Lord. Now, when I saw this, I actually got excited. It was a number of years ago. Why? Because I've learned this. It's so difficult, you know, the Bible doesn't say God will humble you. That's not a good idea. I've prayed that when I was just got saved. Lord, humble me. Awful. Don't, don't do that. The Bible's clear. Humble yourself. Says it over and over and over. How? It's so difficult through like, you know, okay, I choose to inward reflection and self-reflection. Then you're thinking of yourself all the time. It's kind of the opposite. You know, it's not something that is easy to do. It's something that you notice that's taken place. And when I realized that God has given us a physical act, I was like, oh. And I began to fast regularly. It is a physical act that afflicts the soul. It is what the Bible means when it says, you know, humble yourself before the Lord. It started to change many of the scriptures, it's even some famous ones. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray. You know, so they call prayer meetings and they repent for an hour, but no one fasts. If you're a Jewish person, you would understand. It's saying, if you would fast and pray. There's a power in fasting. There is a key that God has given you. Turn it. Use it. Luke, Luke 14, 11 says, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's a universal truth applies in heaven. Lucifer said five times, I will, I will, I will. He exalted himself, so he was cast down. It says of Jesus, he became humble to the point of death, so God the Father has lifted him and put, lifted him high, exalted him to the highest place. There's only two jobs. Humbling or exalting. I've discovered that God is better at both. And I would rather have him exalt me if he so wants to than me exalt me. Because then that leaves him with the other job. <laughs> and he's better at that too. He is. It's like, here's the ceiling. How does that feel? I mean, that's not his heart, but you understand. There's only... What's, our weapons of our warfare are not, mighty, are, are not uh, carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, for everything that exalts itself. Interesting. So this is a mighty weapon to humble ourselves and the things that are exalted of themselves, anything with the nature of the enemy, the whole demonic realm that exalts itself, and we just humble ourselves with a physical act, and that stuff comes down. It's extremely powerful. Likewise, 1 Peter 5, you younger people, submit to your elders. Your submission is actually a part of fasting. It's also used interchangeably in the Old Testament. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The Bible says in Psalm 138, the, uh, to the proud God stands afar off. In other words, it's like they kept at a distance, even though they're not, even though, but to the haughty, to the proud. So what happens, but he says it draws close to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. 
And so it's not about I'm this you know, humble person. It's actually that God has given us a physical act, to, a key to turn that has power that when we choose to humble ourselves the God-given way. It's actually a great gift from him. I, I trust you seeing that. The Bible says in Psalm 69, I chastened, that's a fancy word for disciplined. You should use that with your children. I'm going to chasten you. That'll be. I chastened my soul with fasting. It's interesting to me, not the body, the soul. To humble yourself, to afflict the soul. I chastened my soul. When I fast, it's my body. I'm like, yeah, soul feels fine. My body. You know, I'm hungry, I'm grumpy, I'm tired, whatever. You know, it's interesting. We are made up of three parts, body, soul, spirit. I'll get into this more next week. But the Bible says to chasten the soul, to afflict your soul, is, it means fasting. Why the soul, not the body? Because we feel it more in the body. Because the soul speaks three languages. Derek Prince used to call the soul the arrogant part of us. It speaks three languages. I want. Because what's your soul made up of? Your will, your mind, your emotions. It says, I want, that's your will, I want. I feel, oh, well, I feel that, you know, well, I feel. And I think, you know, well, yeah, it's great, but I think. It's those three languages. Fasting says, well, this is what God feels. This is what God wants. This is what God thinks. It's the mind of Christ. It's the new man. It's putting on the new man. You humble yourself before the Lord. Fasting is the God-given key to maintaining God's perspective. How many know when God changes your perspective on something, it actually is a way that he sets you free? Who's experienced that? It's like the situation doesn't change, but you change. And all of a sudden, the situation doesn't affect you. Hello? Okay, it comes from having his perspective. She agrees. Fasting is the God-given way to maintaining God's perspective. Fasting remains the God, sorry, God-given key. Fasting remains a God-given way to humble yourself, aligning yourself with God, causing the enemy to flee from you. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What does it say after that? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. You know, to cause the devil to run the issues in your life, the, the, the stuff, to cause him to flee instead of, to, you know, you fight the whole time. He flees. Fasting does that for you. It's a God-given way to align yourself with God. Fasting is a God-given practice to help us walk in the Spirit because it afflicts the soul and the soul comes under the authority and the rule of your spirit because your spirit starts to soar. If I, if I cloned Steve, sorry, Steve, you're just so good looking. So if I cloned Steve... You know, my dad used to say this all the time, and it's such a simple thing, but it's, and I put them in two rooms, and I fed the one and never the other, and after a month, they fought. Who's gonna win? The one we fed, right? Very obvious. Fasting, to humble yourself before the Lord, it causes the spirit to soar, and the soul comes underneath, and it's actually a means that God has given, a practice that God has given to walk in the spirit to walk by the Spirit. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, I'm gonna fast 30 days. Sometimes fast, when I got saved, a little while after that I was praying and I just felt like the Lord said, son, I want you to fast the first three days of every month. I didn't like that, but I was excited because I thought maybe because I'm so important, you know, a young person, you think I'm gonna change the world, you know, and actually we should. That's the way God sees things too. But I phoned my dad, I said, dad, I, and he said, whoa, when did, when, did, when did you feel that? I said, yesterday at about this time. And he said, that's exactly what the Lord said to me at the same time. He was here, I was in another country. And I said, why, th why three days? He said, well, that's a tithe, son. It's like, come on. So I was like, oh, okay. Yes, of course. You know, it's just, and it's, so there's not, it's not there's this perfect way to do it. But I find, personally, every time I preach this series, I have a major desire that at least four, five, six, ten, will see it not as just our corporate fast time, but will pick up something of the heart of God and put fasting in their lifestyle.
you know, one day a week, two days a month, whatever it may be. That breaks things open more than you can possibly fathom. So, the Lord help us. Goodness gracious. Fasting, to return in our hearts to the Lord. I'll just read this scripture. Therefore, the Lord says, turn to me with all your heart. Joel 2, verse 12 to 13. With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Rend your heart, not your garments. They would tear their garments, sackcloth and ashes. Look at look how spiritual I am. Stand on the street corners. You know, look at what I'm doing. I'm so spiritual. And yet, even though it's a physical act that God gives us to do to humble ourselves, to put ourselves under the mighty hand of God, to see things shift and to move, yet God says, just remember, it's about the heart. Even though the act is something that I've given you to humble yourself, because to help you to remain with me, to, to, Bible says if you draw near to the Lord, he will draw near to you. So even though I've given you that, it's still about the heart. Don't just go through the motions. It says, rend your heart. So sometimes, you know, we want to change. Who knows? You want to change your heart like you want to want him. Let's just be real, you know. You want to love God, but you're like, oh. you know. I found that fasting rends the heart. It softens the heart. It tears open the heart. It just does. God says this in the word. Yeah. For others, biblical reasons why they fasted in the Bible. They fasted for others. In Isaiah 58, it covers that. We'll get into that maybe in two weeks. It's called, when you fast for others, like when you intercede for others, you fast, it calls it the true fast. It's a true fast. You know, there's a story I actually heard recently Often people come to me, and it's not, obviously it's great, but please pray for my spouse, please pray for my child, please pray, which is great, that, that's, there's nothing wrong, but you know, I often wanna ask them, you know, you have a key as well. Have you turned the key yet? Have you turned the key? Of course I'll pray, but have you turned the key that God has given you to unlock things, to open things? I heard a story recently of a, a person in this body whose son was sick, like long-term sick. Doctors didn't understand, he'd been sick for years. And they didn't know what to do. And so he arose like Eleazar, the sermon I preached last. Something in him said, that's enough. So he said, I'm just gonna fast once a week. And he just started to fast once a week. It wasn't some big intense 40-day water fast, you know, float away in the sky. That's how we think. He said, I'm going to fast once a week. And he did it for months. But it wasn't just, I won't eat that day. That day he would take a side and pray. Once, one day a week. Not the whole day. A couple hours maybe, but I don't know how long. But just once a week. In those months, he didn't even have a lot of interaction with his child. His child is an adult. And all of a sudden, this, this, the guy was healed. They don't know when. They don't know why. What was there is now gone. I know why. When you fast for others, in times of mourning, Matthew 9, when the disciples of John come to Jesus and say, why do your disciples not fast often? And his reply was, well, why should they mourn when they're with the bridegroom? The interchangeable use of mourning and fasting. Mourning and fasting. Biblically speaking, fasting was their way of mourning, both as individuals, as a nation. Why is this important? One of the names of the Holy Spirit is the comforter, the counselor, the one who comes alongside. I've encouraged many people when there's loss, calamity, tragedy, when there's grief, fast. Fast. In Africa, I saw people do this all the time. I really did, like the tribal type people. When there's a funeral, I would see them. I mean, the one time I witnessed this thing, I've never, they would start, they came to this funeral and they started to wail. 
And I thought, oh, you know, us little Westerners, I'm like, oh, they're putting it on. And actually, they probably were in the beginning, but they understood something I did not understand until I sat and watched and watched. They started to wail, and, and then it became real. And they'd all been fasting. <laughs> and you know, fasting, when they lost leaders, nations, uh, leaders, kings, judges, prophets, David, when he lost his son, you know, they would fast. And sometimes it makes the grief or something more extreme, but it gets it out of you. And you'll find even practically, there's certain illnesses, there's certain things that don't affect those types of peoples, people groups. There's no anxiety as they grow older. There's no anxious, there's no depression, there's this twisted stuff inside that just bottles up and bottles up. As Westerners, it's like we don't know how to deal with that. You know, well, we've got to carry on. I've just got to keep busy so I don't think about it. It's like, no. The Bible gives us a mode. It says, oh, just fast. And sometimes it makes it more extreme, but it gets it out. It's God's way for grieving. Hello? All through the scripture they did this. All through the Bible. When it comes to grief, I encourage you, fast. I wrote you, the ancients knew this. Many tribal people still practice that this today and they don't get bottled and twisted and depressed as we do. You know, these four are what I call the true essence of fasting, to humble oneself, to return to the Lord, to intercede on behalf of others, and to mourn. That's the true essence of fasting. But there are many other reasons. Can I read them to you? I'm gonna go about another six or seven minutes. I'm just gonna read some of these to you. But this one, I wanna go to the scriptures. Can you go to Daniel 10 if you just get a chance? If I can find it somewhere. Daniel 10. For wisdom, for revelation, biblically, why do we fast? I'm just gonna read this little part to you. I I wish I had time to read it all. Daniel chapter 10, it says, Daniel sees a vision. And it says in verse two, I think it's actually still verse one, it says the message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. So then it explains in verse two, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. See, it says mourning. He actually fasted three weeks, interchangeable. Why? Because God had shown him a vision and he didn't understand it, but it caused great grief in his heart. And he said, I ate no pleasant food, no meat, nor wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself. That wasn't anointing like a, you know, I anoint you for this. It was, in a sense, cleansing and bathing and oils and so forth. So he needs to gain understanding. He sees a vision. He needs to understand it. He needs to gain wisdom. He needs to get insight. He needs to get revelation. So he says, I will set my heart to understand, so I will set my heart to fast and pray for three weeks, well, for an appointed time, and it was gonna be for three weeks. Then all these things happen, okay? And an angel appears, touches him, and he falls flat on the floor and shakes and trembles, as you would. Then it says in verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me, a second time it touched him, made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands, and he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself, fasting, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, but I have now come. But the prince of Persia, that's a demonic entity, a demonic principality, a fallen, a demonic thing, wasn't a physical prince. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. It's an awesome story. It's like high school. So he goes and calls Michael, the warfare angel. I have a brother. He's bigger than you. He's bigger than me. He has a big sword. So I'm going to go get him. He's going to come and slaughter you all, and then I will go and deliver the message. Okay? That's literally what happened. What's so important? He says, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. That word is the exact same word when Daniel said, I put no pleasant food in my mouth. 
It's the same word in the Hebrew. I foregoed, I, I left things pleasant and I became pleasant to heaven. I chose nothing pleasant and I became, or chose nothing desirable and I became desirable. It says, oh man, greatly desired because I went, I forwent desirable things. It's the same word. I gained perspective, I gained wisdom, I gained insight. And he says what? On the first day you set your heart, they had a plan. On the first day that you set your heart, I started to come, but there was a warfare. You know, this happened to me two years ago. We were in, we were in an interesting situation as a church. And after this, I'll have to close. I'll finish next week. We were in a building that wasn't ours. We got kicked out of the school. I don't know what's going on. Okay, okay. So we were in a, thanks. We were in a, a building. We had $5,000 in the bank. Oh, he's just going probably through deliverance. Okay, we had $5,000 in the bank. All right, focus this way. $5,000 in the bank. We were $3,000 in the red every month. So we, as a church, $5,000, that's not good. We had $3,000, we were going negative every month. I didn't know what to do. So I called a 21-day fast. We had no building. We were sharing a building with another church on a different day. We had no building. We had no money. It's, you know, now what, Lord? We had no site, no way to go, no place to go. So I called a 21-day fast. Some of you remember. I said, we're going to fast for 21 days. We fasted for finances and for a facility. At the end of the 21 days, I got a call from a man who was not in our church. And he gave me, he said, I just felt, you know, gave me a check of over $400,000. Mm. Yeah. And then we built out this place. And there's a whole long story about that. That cost a lot. It cost us $70,000 more than we budgeted to fit this place out. So I fasted again. So this man came and met with me. He said, I just want to get another man. And he gave me $70,000 for the church. When we got the lease to this place, <laughs> I had a dream. And in the dream, the Lord said to me, fast until the lease is signed. And I thought, yeah, a couple of days. <laughs> you know, very, very wrong. Very wrong. It's a commercial lease. I'd never done that before. So we, had to, we didn't like it when we got it. So we had to change it, and then we sent it back. And, then, and I thought, gee, it was, okay, two weeks. So I like prepared myself, two weeks fasting. Well, 32 days went by, and I'm fasting. And I'm like, Lord, Christmas is coming. <laughs> really, that's what I was thinking. It's coming, you know? Let's talk about this, God. You know, and it came to a place where we were almost had to walk away because what they wanted was not, is impossible. And then God started to move and shift. I mean, amazing stories. I wish I had amazing stories. Standing in the county building and all the staff were crying, preaching to people at the county building. You know, and then two days before Christmas, I signed and everything we wanted, they gave us. So the Lord knew there's going to be turmoil. So he says, fast until it's signed. Sure. And I remember about two-thirds of the way through, I could see this is going to go better. Like I could tell things were turning. And I said, Lord, I think I'm just going to stop fasting. And I'll never forget in my heart, it was like the Lord said, yeah, if you want. That's fine. And then I was like, mm, no, Okay. Because he's like, if you want, that's fine. You know, I, I knew that we would still get the lease. But it's like there was something in me. It's like, that's not what I said, but that's fine. You know, he's still gracious. But when I signed, oh, man, it was a good day. It was a good day. It really, was a, it was a good day. Yeah, and direction came through a series of five dreams, details. Go do this, go do that, go do this. Crazy things that I... Friends, fasting is extremely powerful, extremely powerful. 
It's a key that God has given to us. We can humble ourselves, He exalts. We can mourn, we become free. Joy comes this way. Breakthrough comes this way. Freedom comes this way. People that you pray for, not saved, spouses, rebellious teenagers, whatever, breakthrough comes. I cannot tell you the times my wife has fasted for some people. It's just their life is not right. It's not like, are you this and that? No, we love them. That's not what we focus on. But they're not even happy. But they can't seem to break out of it. And I've watched her fast, and that person's life changes. Over and over and over. So, next week, we'll just continue next week. Is that okay? So, we're going to start today. Some of us have started. I encourage you, we will put out on, uh, on the website, we will, or I mean on social media, wherever these highly skilled people choose to put it, probably in emails, the reasons we're fasting. I'm just going to give you one of the reasons for authority figures. God put it in my heart to fast for authority figures concerning the nation, concerning the nation. There's something that I've not fasted this way before, but there's something about the nation. We need to fast for those in authority. And then there's other regions, other reasons for those in authority to appoint other people and so forth and so on. So can we stand? I trust that faith comes into your heart, some spiritual understanding of a key that God has given us to turn. Please. Don't be too intense. Please be wise. But write it down. Have a plan. Understand that even the decision, even the decision to fast, when Daniel set his mind to fast, just the decision started causing warfare in the heavenlies. Just his decision. He just said, I'm going to set my mind and fast. And all of a sudden, there's all this warfare. That's how powerful it is. Just to, just to decide things start to clash and start to move and break open and change. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that you have given us. Lord, I thank you that this is condemnation free, but this is actually exciting. Lord, we say we choose as a body to humble ourselves in the way that you have given to do it. And we humble ourselves before you for these 21 days. From today, Lord, and for 21 days. And we say, Holy Spirit, come and shift things. Come and move things. But Lord, you are not a vending machine. We have your way. We align our hearts with yours. We know that you are moving in our midst, Lord. We've seen people healed and things changed and you're calling hearts. And so we choose to humble ourselves to align our hearts so that your purposes can break through into our region, into our lives, and into this nation. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.